UAE is 50 years old. Half a century of growth and change to bring a small desert country to the forefront of global recognition. The Burj Khalifa in Dubai is the tallest building in the world. In February 2021, the UAE successfully sent an orbiter to Mars to collect data about the planet's atmosphere. Not only is the country a hub for tourism and business, making it a busy international destination, but it is also found to be consistently one of the safest countries in the world. You're listening to Beyond the Headlines. I'm your host, Faisal Salah, and on today's episode, we're remembering 50 years since the formation of the United Arab Emirates through the eyes of those who lived it. Before we begin, please subscribe to Beyond the Headlines to get all the latest episodes. Before the formation of the country, the seven emirates existed in what was known as the Trucial States. These states allied themselves with Great Britain as early as 1820. When oil was discovered in the late 1950s, the status of these small fishing and Bedouin villages was set to change. Shaukat Ali Rana is a businessman based in Dubai, but he arrived in the country in 1968 as a small boy. Well, I was uh, so young on that time. Actually, my father came earlier in 1966 on a visa issued by British High Commission from Karachi. Uh, and he came here in 1966 and then follow on. Me, my mom, and uh, one of my sister came in 1968. So, of course, I was very happy that I'm going to be journey by a plane, you know, from Karachi to Dubai. And that was my first trip on an airplane. There was, no, uh, there was no UAE, there was not union at that time. So it's called crucial states. My ambition was to meet my dad. I was eight years old on that time. Sheikh Zaid was the driver behind the unification of the seven emirates, and on December 2nd, 1971, the United Arab Emirates was formed. Shokat remembers the day he went to celebrate the first national day from Dubai to Abu Dhabi, when there was no real road to travel by. On the first celebration day, we traveled to Abu Dhabi by my father's car. There was not a, a, a proper road on that time. We have to follow a taxi driver, and uh, there is a place that's in, in Shoaib, there is a border crossing. You have to take a permission from them. A police permission have to be get from there. They gave us a paper where, paper to enter in Abu Dhabi. The next day, there was a celebration, and uh, I have captured a lot of photographs, which I, I have uh, in my albums and uh, uh, still in our collections. Sheikha Lubna al-Qasimi became the first female minister of the UAE in 2004. She was only nine years old when the UAE was formed. Although she wasn't aware of the potential of the country at the time, she remembers a sense of excitement. I do remember as a young girl, um, there was a, a, a lot of sentiments, uh, there was a lot of talk. I didn't really comprehend that much, but I do know that we were all excited that they, we, we are going to get united and there would be just one country. And so um, definitely there was, there was a sense of celebration, sense of positivity, and uh, people knew 
uh, within the different emirates, they, they knew one another. They knew the, the societies in, in different emirates because the, this is a small community. And people married from Dubai, Sharjah, Ajman, Ras Al-Khaimah, Abu Dhabi or Fujairah, Mugawain, they're all married from... So for us, in existence, it was one society. It was not separate. This just came as to seal the deal and to bring it to formalities in a way. There were quite a lot of challenges that I remember historically um, that we know of at that time, but um, they overcome it because they had that sense of unity in their heart. They wanted to do this, they had the will, and they, they moved forward and they did it. Peter Hellyer is a historian and contributor to The National. He was a documentary maker who first came to the country a few years after its formation. By the time he arrived, the physical landscape was still reminiscent of those small fishing villages, but the pace had definitely started to pick up. I first arrived to make uh, documentary films for uh, Sheikh Zayed, the founder of the Federation, on his overseas state visits. Uh, so my first memory related to the UAE is actually of a state visit to Paris in 1975. The, the, the Middle East and the Arab world was not new to me. I had been traveling around and working in other parts of the region for several years before that. So, you know, the Middle East wasn't new. Um, I remember problems with the, with the roundabouts in Abu Dhabi, because we had a lot of roundabouts then and not so much in the way of traffic lights. Uh, and the warmth of the people. I mean, I was coming to do things with the president. Uh, so I dealt with a number of the people around him. Uh, very warm, very welcoming. Uh, pleased to you know, collaborate with the work that we were doing. Uh, I felt it was a place that was, you know, quite nice and uh, uh, never imagined that I'd be here for 45, 46 years on. Uh, but looking back, I don't regret it at all. Well, the Federation was then, you know, a few years old, but there was a considerable, you know, feeling that things were really getting underway. There was a lot going on. Because this was after the October 1973 Arab-Israeli War. Uh, and so the, the price of oil had shot up as a result of the oil embargo imposed you know, during that war, which was generated and, and led by Sheikh Zayed, actually. Uh, and so the money was rolling in. The oil production was going up, but uh, it was being sold for a lot more. And so there was... you know enormous evidence of, of building, of, of things going on. And I remember when I was making a documentary in Abu Dhabi City, taking my film crew on top of a building. So I remember we were standing on a rooftop in the Al Zahia area, what used to be called the tourist club area. And I have my film crew and I said, well, let's film the tower cranes. And we panned from right to left uh, through 180 degrees and counted over 100 tower cranes. And I said, that's enough. We don't need to do the full circle. You know, we've, we've got enough. But the, the number of tower cranes that were up, you know, building uh, the first, some of the first skyscrapers in, in Abu Dhabi, uh, the sense of you know, rushing to get things done, of creating a new part of the city, uh, of building homes and offices for a population that was growing, uh, it was remarkable the the speed with which Abu Dhabi had begun to develop, and the pace has, has varied over the years. Uh, but you know the the rate of development in Abu Dhabi and uh, in the rest of the Emirates 
has been pretty fast ever since. Although Peter could see the evidence of massive changes as cranes took over the landscape of the capital city, he says he simply could not have foreseen what happened during the next five decades. The physical shape of the UAE has changed, uh, changed dramatically. Uh, the cities, the roads across the mountains and the desert, the way in which a lot of the landscape has just uh, been covered by gardens and by housing and by roads and by airports, have been shaped to allow for the building of ports and so on. Uh, all that is, uh, you know, remarkable change. And some of the remote areas that I used to like, or even the little open deserted areas on the middle of Abu Dhabi Island that I used to like, they're not, they're not around anymore. Um, so the physical change has been dramatic. Uh, none of the people that I dealt with uh, seem to have any idea that technology would move ahead so fast and enable so much change to take place. And I think, in a way, that's probably also true today. We can see the technology around us. We can get used to using it. We can see a few areas in which it's logical it may develop over the next few years. But very few of us, I think, can look forward 20 years from now, perhaps even 10 years from now, and really have a grasp of what uh, the innovations will be uh, and what the technology will be and what it will allow us to do. 50 years ago, 45 years ago, we were not able to imagine what the future would bring us. I was lucky because when I came to work here uh, full-time, uh, I was working with Emiratis. And yes, we did talk about hopes, uh, but I don't think any of us then could have imagined the changes that we've seen in the last 45 or 50 years. That's partly because I don't think any of us imagined the changes that we see in technology. We knew about planes, we knew about airports, we knew about uh, shipping lines, we knew about the ability to move from one country to another. Uh, but, you know, things like the fax machine were, uh, you know, new innovations. The idea of the internet, the idea of being able to develop artificial intelligence, the idea of computers, uh, and these things that have made so much possible and have changed lives so much. Shaukat Alirana is amazed the way global communications have progressed from writing letters that took months to deliver to faxes, mobile phones, and now high-speed internet. But despite all those changes, the UAE has exceeded all expectations. I never expecting that Dubai or UAE will become a, one day such a popular place a huge tourist destination, a, a tallest uh, building tower like Burj Al, uh, Burj Al Khalifa will be in in uh, Dubai, or a, or a Burj Al Arab seven star hotels, or such a tourist attraction place that everybody love to visit here. You know, we were never expecting that such a limited time that this place will be changed in our front of our eyes, you know. Looking back, both Peter and Chokat see the developments in landscape, infrastructure, culture, and technology in the UAE as rapid. 
But Sheikh Al-Ibn Al-Qasimi thinks it is precisely the UAE's culture of gradualism that made this progress possible with such little tumult. One of the smart things about the UAE that everything that happened, the, it, was quite prog- it was progressive, but every step there was a pause, people accepted it, and we moved forward. And the reason I say that is when the women were allowed to drive, my older sister wants to get a license, and my mom said yes. But then one of my grandmothers said no, how could she? She said, why? Let her try. And they were quite a, um, a, a mixed sentiments amongst the people are saying, no, 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 women should not be driving. No, women should be driving. It took months when they realized that most parents depended on their daughter to take them to the hospital than their son. And all of a sudden, it's like, this was quite useful. It was quite helpful. So the, the UAE, I think this is the specific nature of the United Arab Emirates. Nothing went fast, too fast. Everything had a pace to it. The society accepted it, and then it moved forward to the next step. There were not a demonstration of women throwing their abayas in the street like other countries. There was not, uh, you didn't see signs of women saying, yeah, we need our rights. None of this. None. On the contrary, when it came to educating women, some of the societies here culturally, not Sharjah or Dubai, but in general, um, did not approve a woman going to, for their education. Or the education was basically that they had to send their daughters abroad. So late Sheikh Zayed decided he would open a university for the girls. And so he did. And then, and supported this idea that all the women can go to the university. We'll make, we'll make universities for them. They don't have to travel abroad. If their, families do not appro- if their families do not approve of them to travel abroad, we'll just make a university here. But it was not something that was sudden. Something can, can create um, animosity or anger or negativity. People will just take it because they have trust in these changes and the way it was going. It takes time for some of the families, but eventually they, they accepted it. Peter believes the way the UAE has handled the massive change is exemplary. If I look at the fact that the country has gone from a place that was underdeveloped to being a developed nation, a country that has gone, when I, when I arrived here, perhaps there was half a million people at most. We're now nine and a half million, perhaps getting on for 10 million. The population growth has been huge. The change, the physical change has been enormous. The nature of the society in which people live and the Emirati people live has been completely changed. And all of that has happened peacefully. And it's happened with consent and it's happened smoothly. And I think it would be very difficult to look at anywhere else in the world and find a country that has had so much change over a 50-year period where that change has happened peacefully. And I think that is surprising looking back on it. It's been Fascinating to watch it happen, uh, and I think it's extremely impressive. Sheikh Al-Lubn Al-Qasimi is probably a testament to both the changes in the OAE and the way culture and tradition have always been given space to grow with the country. Her appointment as the first female minister in 2004 was a landmark moment for the young country. I was in Tunisia at that time. Um, I, ha- I was working... Um, as a CEO for Tijari.com, 
and we had a uh, government visit in Tunisia at that time. And then out of the blue, I got a phone call and it was His Highness Sheikh Abdullah bin Zayed. And it was quite interesting because he asked, um, the government calls for you to be a minister of the cabinet, uh, what do you say? So I said, I'll ask my mother. And there was a, a complete silence on the other side because usually I would go and ask my mom. Traditionally, we grew up with everything, any advice, any thoughts, it would always be, we'd go back to my mom and say, what do you, what do you think? So, but it was a shock, on the, the silence reflected the shock in his voice um, that I did not give him a direct answer. I mean, that was, that was a genuine response, by the way. It may not sound that, maybe amongst the women, that, that, that would be quite natural here in the UAE, but others would say, well, this is, this is strange, this is weird. Why would you ask your mom for something like this? you're an adult but it was I, I just wanted to know whether this is something they believe it's okay or um, whether I, I needed some support from the family to say yes go for it despite her respect for her mother's opinion Sheikha Lubna al-Qasimi always had an ambitious streak that was encouraged by her family so I, when I was um, at school here, from uh, grade one all the way to high school, I've always scored um, uh, first in my class, always. And whenever I was second, I'd come home and throw a tantrum, throw my books. So definitely, I never th realized that that was competition, that was ambition, but I was. I was uh, quite... Uh, quite ambitious. So it was not really the typical what you think of a woman feminist or um, a woman champion to lead other women. Um, I strongly believe that the women here had always been independent. I came from a class where all my classmates from high school are um, surgeons and doctors and engineers. So I, I don't I don't see that. I don't see um, I, I don't I don't see the struggle or the thinking of you know women empowerment that has to be uh, like this or women emancipation because we grew up like this. The, our families were quite supportive. Um, there was quite a lot of encouragement. The women the women actually excelled at their education and uh, they excelled at their careers. So I don't see that. Uh, I know there are the women who say you know it's been tough and I struggled. Maybe in other countries, but here I think we've had all the support that we wanted. It was enough for us. What the, what the society wanted was uh, a couple of good examples of women that can pave the way for others to encourage them. So the idea is if, if I'd become a minister and I did very well, then well enough, that's good enough to have nine min women ministers now. Uh, if you're, I mean, now you're talking about women going in, in space. So you need one example of that and that actually opens the, opens the door for others. But in this, there are great examples in sports. You see women in polo, uh, women in shooting, um, ice skating. Um, you see women as, an engineer, as engineers. Um, you, see, you see them everywhere. So it's not really, in particular, um, uh, just a focus on government job, but everywhere. That women have such great talent and commitment. The women here are extremely dedicated. They want to prove themselves. They want to demonstrate their performances. There are very few countries in the world that have had such progress and stark changes across the last 50 years. As the UAE looks back on those five decades, it has much to be proud of. But what is the core of the success? Peter thinks it's the welcoming and collaborative nature of the local people. Sheikha Lubna thinks 
This culture has been ingrained in its people for centuries. Um, UAE leads worldwide in terms of soft power, uh, in terms of politics, in, in terms of reaching out to societies, religions, everything. Um, but this stems, this all stems from the real, true, nomadic culture of Bedouins in the society. The Bedouins were like that. They always respected neighbors. They always reached out. They lived in harsh environment. But regardless of that, they were rich in their feelings and um, in, in their behavior when they dealt with their neighbors. May Allah help us to go through a fantastic next 50 years. I think that's important. I do believe in that. I am very optimistic. Um, I, I, when you think of this country, you think of the generations that we see around us, and um, don't take me wrong, I'm not talking about the locals, I'm talking about everybody who lives in the UAE. There have been so many startups, and there's so many creative people in the society who are not locals. So you've got, you've got the nationals and non-nationals. So this is a land of magic, this is a land of creativity, encouragement, support, but also it's a, it's a, it's a land of dreams. People who say um, the U.S. is the land of dream, but I, I, I strongly believe it's the UAE. Shaukat Alirana came to this country as a small boy, hoping to be reunited with his father. Now, 53 years later, he has built a life and a family and sees his grandchildren growing up in the same country, but one that is so different to the one he grew up in. And he doesn't think he could live anywhere else. Well, no, I don't think so. There was uh, any part of the world that you can achieve uh, such a tremendous uh, achievement in business and in life, such a short time of period. I have uh, traveled uh, across the world, but but the easy, comfortable, flexible, hospitality, safety, and security that uh, one experience in the UAE is unmatched. I am proud to call it my home and I am hopefully my future generation will continue to do so. You've been listening to Beyond the Headlines. I've been your host, Faisal Salah. If you've enjoyed this week's episode, please subscribe by clicking the subscribe button in your favorite podcasting app. Thanks this week to Sheikha Lubna Al-Qasimi, Peter Hellyer, and Shaukat Ali Rana. This week's episode was produced by Arthur Edison and Aisha Khan. <laughs>